0: Listening to the broadcast basement on-demand radio network. It's the podcast. In the broadcast basement. Broadcast basement. Welcome to episode 107 of Sentimental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain?
1: I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? No? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy it's that i just don't care i came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true and that my word of life is then true
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast. We can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Ovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our guest tonight began his film journey working in makeup and special effects before moving into film and theater direction. However, he's probably best known for his work as a production designer on The Blair Witch Project, before writing and directing several Blair Witch mythology-based specials. He then performed Visible Man Productions, creating branded content, found footage, and subversive advertising in support of existing IP, like Hellboy, True Blood, and Audi. More recently, he co-wrote and directed the 10-part horror fiction podcast for Shudder called Video Palace. He also created and hosts a podcast focused on film cinematography called The Cinematography Podcast. Go out and find it. Ben Rock, welcome back to Cinematic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. That's, uh, I think that's the last time you were here, I, uh, we, we threw a bunch of uh, Blair Witch-related questions at you because we didn't know you but I feel We know you a little better now having had you on For an episode and, and, and picking Your brain on a couple of uh, interesting Film choices and uh, you came Back with a couple uh, more Mainstream film choices this time around And uh, I think we can all be I wouldn't say thankful for but definitely the the choices
2: are are very positive in our minds. So oh, uh, next, before- next time I'll 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 find some way out shit that like no one's ever heard of. Really. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. something to look forward to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh so let's uh we'll first suffer from consumption ben uh
2: you want to play have you watched anything uh, in the last week or so that uh stands out uh absolutely actually uh i uh as it's been getting safer to do so i've actually gone to the movies a few times oh nice and uh my friend uh Kay's she invited me to go see the sparks brothers oh which, uh, The documentary from Edgar Wright. And I can't stop. I can't stop thinking about it. And moreover, I'd never heard of Sparks. I'd never heard of the band. Oh, and I, and I've been like going through their entire discography ever since, but it's like the, it's, it's one of those things. I I, I feel like anyone who uh, does anything creative in their career relates to, to Sparks in that these, I mean, actually would love to relate to Sparks. These guys are outrageously prolific they they've been making music since the late 60s and releasing albums they've released 25 albums and um and they've they've done well obviously they make a living doing it but they've never had like a mainstream hit in america and they're americans they're from they're from la yeah and so like they were kind of big in england they were kind of big in germany at one point you know they and and yet when you look at like what they did they were doing stuff in the late 70s that sounded like Erasure or the Pet Shop Boys would sound ten years later. You know, they were they were just like outrageous trendsetters and they are super subversive, their lyrics are funny, like they really are a pretty amazing band. And um and uh it was you know, documentaries, I feel like it the easiest sell to watch at home is a documentary because it's gonna yeah. have about you're not going to have a giant audience reaction from a documentary. You know, it's not going to be so scary that the whole audience jumps or so funny that the whole audience laughs. I mean, some are funny, but it's not, it's not that kind of movie, but it was actually great to kind of to go support a movie in, in a theater. And, uh, you know, Edgar Wright's a filmmaker who like, I don't, I don't love every single one of his movies, but I like all of his movies and I love a few of his, like, I love Shaun of the dead. I love Scott Pilgrim. Like he's, I, I feel like he's got a, a pretty solid batting average yeah. and it's his first yeah. documentary and it's it's just beautiful and funny and great looking and uh, uh I can't recommend it highly enough to anybody yeah I've heard a lot of
0: good things about that and I just when as soon as I heard that he was doing this I, I I got super excited about it yeah were you a fan of sparks uh marginally I mean I knew about them because that's like right musically right in my wheelhouse and I knew during the time, that when the time that they kind of had a couple of middling hits in the U S but that's really all I knew about them to find out that they've done, had like 25 albums out over the course of the last, however many years is, is kind of stunning. So.
2: Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're amazing. And they're, and their music is really layered. And it's like, you'll hear stuff that sounds kind of like Bowie or stuff that sounds kind of like queen And then later when they get into electronica, like I said, it's like, you know, uh, every every electronica band ever ripped them off and and maybe (laughs) maybe didn't even realize that they did. You know, like the people who were influenced by the people who were influenced by them might not even realize who they are because they never really had a mainstream. Like you said, they had one kind of hit that I I remembered in America, and that was a song called Cool Places, which, you know, it's, it's all right you know it's a very very 80s kind of thing and uh you know it's got the lead, the their brothers the lead singer is kind of super hunky and the other guy for a lot of their career literally had like a hitler mustache Yes. And it, yeah it, and and it was weird he <laughs> says it was kind of like charlie chaplin so you know like i don't he he's clearly not a fascist he's he's he's, he's clearly not a a eugenicist so i'll let him go but it yeah. but um but uh he's they're they're both just so interesting and weird and i i just uh i i, I a lot a, a good documentary will do that to me like the one that i brought you last time fast cheap and out of control like i i will just sit there and noodle on a documentary forever and and this one is uh it, it's just so cool and it's because that band is so obscure i kind of had to look it up like is this a is this like a really subtle spinal tap kind of thing like if you made a <laughs> spinal tap-esque documentary that wasn't trying to be funny but invented a fake band it, it would look a lot like this but no wow. they're a real band
0: yeah yeah i remember cool places I was i think jane Wheedland from the go-go's was on that song
2: yeah yeah she's interviewed in the documentary nice nice what else uh what, what else you goes is that just that it uh, that's it. Well, I I've gone to, for the cinematography podcast, I've, I've, uh, had to go see, uh, I, I had to <laughs> Yeah, twist my heart. Twi- <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I saw quiet place part two, which actually I really loved quiet place part two. Oh, um, cool. I, uh, I, I, I'm a fan of the first one. I think the second one, uh, I think I like the second one a little better. They're both really good. Oh. And I had to, uh, had to, I, I went and saw, uh, in the Heights as well. And, ah. uh, in the Heights uh, okay. is a movie I probably wouldn't seek out because I'm not like super into musicals, but it's pretty amazingly well done and it's unbelievably cinematic. And I got and I interviewed the cinematographer and she was telling me some of the stuff they did. It was just kind of insane. There's a humongous musical number in it uh called uh Carnival in the Barrio, and they shot it on location in a day. And you know, like I assumed it was something that looked like they'd shot for a week and a half because it had so much amazing coverage and they shot it on location. So it wasn't even in a stage where they could control everything. Like they had to like, in order to move the crane out, they had to like clear everybody out and pull stuff out and whatever. (laughs) Um, And she was also describing, there's a scene towards the end uh, where these two characters are dancing on the side of a building and, and they did it partly with visual effects, but partly practically like they had a little piece of the set built, but the set had to tilt. And then like all the lights had to tilt with it at the same time. Yeah, and she was describing how hard it was to do. And I was like, I mean, that's just old school filmmaking right there. Yeah. Um, uh, the room yeah. that turns. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Uh, I, I saw Nobody, which uh, with uh, Bob yep. Odenkirk, which which is pretty awesome. And then uh, just, you know, uh, probably like everyone else on Earth, the uh, the first two episodes of the new season of Rick and Morty, which I <laughs> was very much looking forward to. So. All right cool um i yeah i, I you know, rick and morty is one
0: of those things where I, I i like i like dan Harmon. i like his stuff i like what he's done in the past i i i've seen a few episodes but it just it didn't grab me to the point where i want to go out and just start watching it from the beginning and, and watch them all yeah i'll get i'll get there someday but yeah. um it's it you know it's it is it's a crazy fucking cartoon and i and i and right now I have room for like one crazy cartoon in my life, and that's gonna remain to be south park and until huh. those guys either die or just stop working so for right now that's uh that's where I'm at, and i I was never a Simpsons guy, so I've you know someday I guess I have nine thousand episodes of The Simpsons to catch up on, but uh <laughs> until that happens
2: well, and I have a three year old so I've seen Moana about forty times in the last oh year. okay mm-hmm. that's Man, uh, he, that's, he his, that's the one. Of- of Moana, and actually, yeah. the new P- Pixar movie is maybe even worth talking about. Um, Luca. Uh, Luca, it's really great. I mean, okay. Uh, Pixar, in my opinion, they make masterpieces or cars movies. Yeah. <laughs> With- <laughs> <laughs> which is just doc hollywood <laughs> <laughs> not, not a fan of the cars movies not, not nothing against anyone who likes them but yeah luca Luca's is really good and my son has been kind of uh powering through both of those you know the, the thing about rick and morty is they have a weird fan base that can go toxic but uh, uh okay uh so to a degree i understand some people's reticence but i think it's some of the smartest writing on television
0: right on Yeah, it's it's another one of those things. It's like you know, I never watched. I've never seen an episode of Adventure Time, but like my the people who I all know have liked. I know people who are like who have just lived watching Adventure Time over and over and over Mm. again. You know, they love that show. I've never seen an episode. I've I have no idea like how it kind of how it fits or how it works. But um, at least Rick and Morty, I have seen a couple of episodes, and I do get why. It It is as popular as it is, because like you said, I mean, there's a lot of funny shit in like the two episodes yeah. I saw. But, yeah. you know, like I said, it's not something that I'm going to go and 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 spend a bunch of time on. So at least not yet. Fair. So. No, uh, OK. No, we, no, no, we no, no. Check. See if we have enough. Time. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's uh, it's actually, again, pretty light. My TV was my TV was restricted to um, running NCIS uh, in the background in the office. Uh, so I got through another season of that. So I'm halfway through season six. Uh, we finished American Horror Story season four, Freak Show, uh, and moved right into Hotel. So we're about three quarters of the way through Hotel. What season is that? That's season five. Where's the guy crawling on the railroad tracks? Haven't seen that yet, so I don't know. Okay. But, you know, th- this was the season with Lady Gaga, and, uh, basically it's kind of got a, a vampiric storyline going on in this, this creepy old hotel in Los Angeles, and, uh, it's it's actually funny. Their main storyline is actually far less interesting than most of the sub storylines in this season, which is yeah. kind of which is kind of weird. Uh, so far, so good. I mean, we we've, we've enjoyed all the seasons so far. I, you know, we looked up a little bit about like you know ranking like who how who where where people think that certain seasons rank you know overall out of the nine that have come out, and uh, uh, I don't know necessarily that we. Well, it was funny because one listed one as being the worst of the nine seasons. And then we looked at another list and it was listed as being the best of the nine seasons. So I I think that it's a wash and it's just basically going to be about whatever you fucking feel like when you watch it. So it is what it is. Uh, But so far, I think all of them have been very, very cool. I, you know, I had, you know, I had seen Evan Peters before as obviously as uh, in the X-Men movies, but I didn't really ever see him in anything else. And he's been in like every season of this so far. And he's awesome. He is so good. And it's like, I don't see, you never you don't see him in anything else, or at least I haven't. And uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, and, and four seasons of Jessica Lang was just completely yeah. amazing to watch her just, just chew up every scene she's in. So it's a, it's a fun show uh, to say the least. And then um, I watched, uh, I rewatched three days of the Condor because uh, it had been a while since i had seen it. And um, I, what's that? Great movie. Well, yeah then. that was a lot of fun pretty much what i remembered Faye dunaway was stunning uh in that then i watched a movie called rko 281 which oh i, I know that one yeah which i think was i can't remember if it was originally made for hbo maybe it was yeah it was, was an HBO, hbo movie okay all right and that was basically the story you know, of uh, leave schreiber plays orson welles trying to get citizen kane made and that's uh, kind of his battle with uh with hearst uh right at the It would have been, it's an interesting story. If, you know, depending on how much of how many of the facts kind of contained in it are true. And it would have been more interesting to see what would have happened had Hearst been able to maintain his power control at the time and didn't have basically the corner turn on his entire life to where he didn't have the power to be able to just to throw lawyers at, at the studios and everything else. You know, they kind of saw the lion get weak and just said, well, F you and moved past it. But it would have been interesting to see if I mean, we may never have seen this film. You know, according to that film, it's like it seems like it just never would have come out. So, right. uh, I watched a Russian who played. Uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to play Hurst in the in the uh, James Cromwell. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's he's wow. James Cromwell's great and everything. It should it should have got Granny. Who? It, <laughs> What's
3: his name? Major Dad.
0: Oh, Gerald Graney.
3: Yeah, um, I watched because because he plays his grandfather Deadwood. So, oh, really? Oh. That's funny. Yeah, so that would have just been. But never mind. That's
0: that's inside baseball. That yeah, Please keep going. <laughs> yes, that's totally inside baseball. Um, I watched uh, I watched uh, a weird Russian horror film that's new on Shutter called Super Deep. It's a, a movie about uh, this, this Russian scientist gets sent to an uh, underground dig that's happening where it's a mining uh, thing, and these guys have got a hole that's like 12,000 meters into the ground, and they, of course, run across something bad, and the military decides that they're going to go and get samples uh, before the government completely shuts down the entire facility only they go in there and of course are immediately met with problems and it's it's probably about 20 minutes too long it's it's you know and i you know i've latham has a few things to say about the the speed at which russian filmmakers uh deliver their stories
1: well i mean (laughs) if you have a story if you have two people walking through wilderness for three hours that's fucking different
0: so um, I, I have a feeling, late that if you watch this, I think you would have a, a similar sense to this movie. It would just be like,
1: get on with it already. Well, fuck this movie, then. I'm not. I'm not watching people. Just like, I, I didn't. I didn't think you would.
0: Uh, and then I watched. <laughs> uh, I got a advance watch link to the first of the three Fear Street movies that are coming onto Netflix next week. Um, so I was able to watch the entire first uh the entire first film of the trilogy now the fear street stuff for people who don't know is the the sort of next evolution of the RL Stein horror stuff like he started off doing like youthful stuff on goosebumps and then he started doing kind of YA level horror with this uh, with this series called fear street and i don't know i don't know the books i don't know if the books tie together the same way as this trilogy of films does i don't know if this is culled from any of the books but it's funny because there's a it's a i like the way they set it up the first movie sets up this story and then the next two each one of the chapters is set with a date so this one was set in 1994 the second one is set in 1978 and then the last one is set in 1666 well, now I think that it's it's not necessarily they're not necessarily set fully in those time periods, but I think that those are the periods in which the main story is going to be told, referring back to how it connects into the the nineteen ninety four timeline and what they're trying to do. And it's basically Mm -hmm. it's basically a story about witches, and basically uh, the every few years the spirit of this witch inhabits the body of someone in this in this small town and they go on a killing spree and kill a bunch of people so this town has been basically growing serial killers or spree killers for for hundreds of years and people live in there though yes yes people still live there and the town right next to it is like it's like it's like Pawnee and uh, the the town right next to it from Parks and Rec. It's like, you've got the, like the, the normal middle-class town. And then you've got like the town next to it is where all the upper-class people move when they leave the shitty middle-class town. So, and they've got, so, and it's like Shadyville and Sunnyvale. So it's kind of, kind of ridiculous, but um, it wasn't, it, it wasn't bad. It was definitely uneven uh, this first movie. And then it, It felt very YA and just kind of its overall tone. But then when he got to the very end, there was some horror. There was some stuff in there that you're like, "That's not very YA. That's a little extreme." You're like, "I think they're pushing some boundaries there." So uh, it's I don't believe the decapitation there. Yeah, I mean, I (laughs) I believe someone. Somebody gets somebody gets pushed through a bread slicer. I'm like. Uh, okay uh you know, and, and it's <laughs> quite visibly th- pushed through a bread slicer so i i'm like all right well okay and uh so I mean I'll watch the other two i've apparently I'm gonna get the links a week before they come out for the remaining two films in the series so nice um but uh yeah I mean it's an interesting little experiment in sort of uh uh middling horror it's the the, the st- I think the storytelling in the second two parts will really... Tell the tale of how how successful this thing is, but um, but overall, I mean, it's a fun little it's a fun little side note of of mediocre horror, I guess. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's all I got besides the two films, obviously for for the show. And uh, so we've uh, we've suffered enough. Uh, so so Ben's uh, second film choice, The Great uh, Lost. underwater monster movie of uh, the late 80s along with a bunch of other underwater monster movies uh, from 1989 Leviathan
2: it was an experiment
0: that tampered with nature's most basic laws it went terribly wrong it was buried five miles down now a crew of undersea miners is about to stumble upon this terrifying secret Shack to seven
2: what's going on out there Williams
1: my god are you picking this up look at that leviathan currently with the russian fleet in the baltic sea
2: currently it's
0: rusted junk and we're looking at it my crew's in jeopardy but you have no proof
2: i'm ordering you to start an emergency medical evacuation
3: what if it turns out to be nothing
2: oh whatever got six pack and bowman it's still here what's going on ah! six pack six pack answer ah! What are you trying to tell us, Doc?
1: It absorbs the intelligence of its victims. I say we protect ourselves.
0: <groans> Leviathan. Directed by George P. Cosmatos with a running time of 98 minutes. A team of underwater miners discover a mysterious shipwreck and something they find aboard ends up attacking and mutating them into hideous mutant sea creatures wreaking havoc as they try and make their escape. Ben, why'd you pick Leviathan?
2: Well, I always have, when you ask me on here, I always have a hard time finding a guilty pleasure because A, I don't feel guilty for liking anything. Sure. And B, I don't want to like, I don't want to take a crap on like a low budget indie movie where, like, they could barely scrape the money together. And, uh, and you know, like, I, I, I you know, somebody like, like I feel like there are plenty of movies like that that don't succeed, and then every now and then you'll have a tiny micro-budget or low-budget movie that, like, really grabs you and, and, and is amazing. But it would be really hard for me to choose. Like, I don't really, I, I, I know what a guilty pleasure is, and I know what you're going for, but I have a hard time choosing one. And last time I chose Dreamcatcher, which is I, maybe my only actual guilty pleasure because it's a movie I will watch if it's on television. And I recognize that it's awful.
1: Um, That's right. Now I remember that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Dreamcatcher is not a good movie, but man, it is, it is so bad in fun ways, but it's a, and, there's a good movie hiding inside though. Yes. It just agreed. needs to be
0: pried out of it.
2: No. Yeah. Uh, there There's good craftsmanship going on on a on a on a miscalculated bad idea like based on a book that Stephen King himself didn't even remember writing but with Leviathan george P. Cosmatos was a was a very established director and this was a studio film and it uh, came out in nineteen eighty nine the year I graduated high school because I'm elderly and um oh, and, how does that make it, me feel Jesus <laughs> I assumed I would, I assumed I was older than you, um, and uh, and uh, uh, that year, we were all excited about The Abyss, but before we got to The Abyss, we got Lords of the Deep from Roger Corman, we got Deep Star 6, and we got George P. Cosmatos's Leviathan, and in my opinion, Leviathan is the maybe the best of those three, none of them are like The Abyss, because The Abyss has a is not a monster movie. <laughs> those are yes, right. <laughs> those are all monster movies. But uh, and and George P. Cosmatos by the way like went on to do um uh, Tombstone and his son Pano Cosmatos you know made Mandy <laughs> and and Beyond the Black Rainbow. So yes. not everybody not everybody's cup of tea, but definitely <laughs> Pano, Pano Cosmatos is, you know, uh, going further than his dad ever did. Um and you know, you can't dislike Tombstone. It's a wonderful movie and this movie is Maybe among my favorite rip-offs of John Carpenter's The Thing, where we're using <laughs> special effects makeup. In this case, I believe it's Stan Winston. Yep. Making some pretty awesome-looking underwater monsters. You've got an amazing, amazing cast, you know, led by uh, Peter Weller and Ernie Hudson, for God's sakes. Hector Elizondo. Hector Elizondo. Yeah, and I was sad to see that Mark- Michael Carmine, who plays... Jesus, like, died shortly after this. He was he was young. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, he died of uh, he uh, he had HIV, um, and and also wow. like horror stalwart Meg Foster. Always fun to see her in something. Yep. And to me, this movie has some of the goofiest missteps of anything. Like at the end of the movie, everybody gets the, the three people who get out. So it's Amanda Pays, Peter Weller, and Ernie Hudson. And then because you have to kill the black guy for any reason, the black guy cannot survive. Ernie Hudson gets eaten by sharks for no reason, right at the end. No, sharks. he got he got eaten by the monster. The monster came back up
0: and got him. It
2: wasn't sharks.
0: I no, thought it was sharks. No, no, no. The sharks all came around and they and they sort of fought off the sharks for a minute, and then the monster jumps up, and then you know, then there's the smile, you son of a bitch moment, and you know,
2: then we oh, have the end. Right. But like you know, Ernie Hudson, you know, not too many years out out of uh, Ghostbusters, and yeah. you know, I mean, but it's like it's. A, I mean, you're right, Hector true. Elizondo, classy ass cast, just a great cast. And there are some really fun monstery moments going on in this, uh, but ultimately it doesn't mm-hmm. congeal into what I would say is a satisfying movie. And uh, you know, and, and I actually feel like the Abyss sort of had its thunder stolen by at least this and Deep Star Six. I don't think too many. People, <laughs> I don't think Lords of the Deep took too many nicks no. out of it. But <laughs> but oh, wow. I feel like by the time the Abyss came out, people were like underwater. I don't care. And you know, the Abyss is like you know, going for ultimate realism and doing everything for real underwater and stuff like yep. this, this is all dry for wet. So it's all, you know, <laughs> empty soundstage. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all. And, uh, and it, and it shows, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, it, uh, I, I watched the movie. I think the last time I watched it was probably a few months ago. I hadn't seen it since it was, I was a, I, I, I was an usher in a movie theater when it came out. So I would just watch this movie over and over again, any horror movie that came out. Came out around that time, Nightbreed or whatever. I would just Tremors. I would just watch these movies over and over again. So, like, I'd pretty well studied it. And it's like there's there's enough to like about it, but I would I would call it a guilty pleasure because I don't I don't think it assembles into a good a good movie. And I, I'm only going to say one other thing about it too, by the way, which isn't really about the movie, uh, but I've been trying to track this down. That year, which was again 1989, my senior year in high school, somehow. Uh, um, there was a giant marketing campaign where they sent out VHS tapes. It was called Hide This Tape. And it was this host talking about two movies, Roadhouse and Leviathan. Uh-oh. Leviathan, and, um, and the whole thing was like, your parents aren't supposed to see this tape that you have that's talking about these awesome movies that you're about to see. And I have tried to find, I'm, it, it, somebody's probably uploaded it to YouTube, but I've looked a dozen times. I've never found it. And it was like the weirdest marketing thing where they somehow got a list of 18 to 25 year olds and sent them a VHS tape that they were to not show their parents for whatever reason. Um, That's hysterical in aid of supporting roadhouse, not exactly a a movie for 17 year olds and Leviathan, (laughs) maybe a little more of a movie for 17, 18 year olds. Um, but uh but anyway uh guilty pleasure I don't feel I feel zero guilt I like this movie um uh great masterpiece eh, I I'd say it's it's not a great film um but there's there's much to like about it
0: I you know it's funny when you picked this I I had to smile because I I literally had just watched this movie probably less than 6 months ago for no other reason than the fact that I saw it come up in a list of uh, uh, movies that were available at the time on Amazon Prime. Yeah, And I'm like, wow, I haven't seen Leviathan in a while. And and uh, the one thing that I maintain to this day, and I you can go on to the trailer is on YouTube. You can go and watch it after we get done. But I maintain that this film had the single best movie trailer of all time. I, I feel that uh, considering, considering what we ended up with as a final product, I think that the movie trailer for this movie is the the greatest movie trailer of all time uh, in selling a movie. Um, It may not necessarily look the greatest or, you know, it doesn't have all the best content or whatever, but as far as what it was supposed to do. I think that this, this the movie trailer for this is, is amazing. Uh, as far as the movie itself goes, uh, I have to say, I don't hate this movie anywhere near as much as a lot of people seem to. Uh, I mean, it's got a Rotten Tomato score of like 26 or something, but it, it's yeah. nowhere near that bad. Uh, one of the things I noticed this time watching it, um, like you said, great cast. Uh, it's got a fucking screenplay by David Webb Peoples, for fuck's sake. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the guy who wrote Blade Runner, Lady Hawk, Unforgiven, Hero, 12 Monkeys. I mean, come on. I, I, for for this to be enough, I mean, maybe he did this when he was like in high school. I don't know. Maybe, you know, it was a stack of scripts. And maybe after he'd had so many hits, they were like, You got anything kicking around that like maybe we could buy for ten thousand dollars? And he was like, Oh, yeah, sure, take this one. You know, I don't know. But either way, it's just funny that this is another uh, film on his list of films. I think most people looking at his list of writing accomplishments would say it's probably his weakest attempt, but uh. This movie has, uh, and at the time of the time, uh, three females who I think were all absolutely beautiful. Uh, Amanda Pays, uh, Lisa Eilbacher, and uh, Meg Foster at the time. I think all three of these women were gorgeous to me. So it's like, it's rare to have like all the women in a movie to be all kind of like in your wheelhouse as far as like physical beauty goes. You know, there's always like one or two in a movie usually, but this movie, it's like, you know, it's a small cast. It's only like a 10-person cast, including, yeah. like, the three guys on the helicopter at the end. So, I mean, it's not like it's a massive cast. But even still, uh, I this is a fun movie. And and one of the other things, I, the whole thing was shot in Italy, uh, mostly in Rome on sound stages. The, the thing I noticed about it this time around was, and I was really, I was looking a little bit closer because I wanted to kind of see... I mean I know it was a studio film so I know that it had they had money but the one thing that really stood out to me this time as I was looking a lot closer was the sets and the, like the the set all the rooms that they had set up all the room sets and the whole underwater uh, habitat that they had everything just looked really good it was all very derivative of of you know that the kind of aesthetic that alien had set up in 79 of the of the dirty used Mm. Uh, spaceship look, you know, that had become kind of, of de facto for this kind of movie. You know, they figured out how to make things dirty after that movie. They figured out how to it's like, hey, everything shouldn't be brand new. You know, it shouldn't all be 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, and I, I, I you you look at behind, behind them everywhere you are and there are all these things and there's no detail that seems to have been overlooked. Like every inch of every every set has something in it there's no like just like slick blank walls there's no just flat ceilings anywhere it's all ductwork and piping and it's all very utilitarian and it's just there's just a lot of shit everywhere i mean it's great because at the end when everything has to sort of you know get blown up or implode or everyone to look at it it's great because there's just a bunch of There's a lot of shit to like, you know, throw into cameras as stuff is being blown up or destroyed. So, I mean, clearly that's going to be helpful at the end of the movie. Uh, I I, I like this movie. I think it's fun. Uh, I found out that apparently this movie is uh, was supposed to be set in the year 2027, which they don't really ever say in the movie the year that it's supposed to be set
2: yeah it um, looks modern day like it it you know people aren't like wearing weird clothes or you know yeah it didn't have any helicopter. kind of strange
0: weaponry or anything there wasn't any kind of crazy shit but it was just uh it was just it was it was just interesting uh you know the you know some of the characters were, were renamed obviously because like uh Cobb uh uh Hector Elizondo's character was named after Ron Cobb, the designer, the guy who did all the uh the, the space or the uh the underwater suit design. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot of little in jokes like that as far as like the naming of characters and, and crap like that. But uh but uh, Hassan, how did you uh how did you did you go first on no you went second. Uh you go first on Leviathan. Leviathan um <laughs> I, I enjoy the movie. I you know it's a
3: it's fun. I'm not a horror person, stretch it, the So, I'm not really. In not being a person, I'm not a, a very much body horror at all. And there's a there's an element of body horror in this film. Oh yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I saw it in the theater when I was a kid before I realized it wasn't a horror person. So I went <laughs> running to go see. It. Right, because it had the greatest trailer ever. I don't remember the trailer, but I'm sure that it. Me, I, I the only one I missed in the theater was Deep Star Six. I never got to see Deep Star Six in the theater, so i same here. I do remember Actually, the trilogy. I saw I, uh, Leviathan. I we, we were waiting for these, we were waiting for this James Cameron extra that was gonna outdo all monster movies. You find out it wasn't was eco friendly film about aliens with the. Organic water, submarines water. and stuff like that. And it was... I I love the abyss. I'm just kidding. But it wasn't... It was not the... when And, and the fact that we went into the theater, we were, we went in the theater and sat down thinking we were going to see a monster movie. Like, we hadn't even been tipped off you know, before the, getting to see the movie. We we went into the theater and sat down and found out, oh, this is... And I remember my... This is the last thing I'll say about the... I remember my mother saying, you know what, after to deep star six and uh viathan feel kind and of a ground that Cameron could break is what if the monsters are actually good guys you know what if yeah. what if they're <laughs> they're a gentle race i'm like mom you're so stupid you know like just just mom shut up let's go listen
2: to your mom <laughs> she was
3: right yeah. don't
2: be ridiculous Yeah,
3: it's like that's just dumb and then no it turned out exactly what she said um I forgot that Peter hmm. Well in this movie. I did forget that, that he was yeah. on heading up this film. I remember me Hudson, because I, he was a black guy died famously at the end. I remember that scene. I remember Einbacher a uh, woman, you know, because this is like the only other movie I ever saw her in besides Beverly Hills Cop, personally. Oh, so, okay. She did a lot of TV. Remembered her from... from. You know, I recognized her in the theater. But that's the girl from Beverly Hills Cop, so... I remember her. I remember, I remember Prenna. I didn't remember the cast. Um, it didn't really matter because that cast wasn't a great cast. But they didn't really do anything with them. They had the obligatory alien scene. We all got to sit around a, a dinner table thinking about money, you know, and this city that doesn't give a damn about them and, <laughs> you know, this and what we're going to have to do uh, X and Y or e and when are we going to get out of here all oh, storm? We can't. Even you know yada yada yada. We accidentally you know we accidentally find this ship. We're gonna go aboard this ship and find some shit that was gonna get.
0: It. I mean, yeah. it is maybe maybe David Webb Peoples was like, if I wrote Alien, <laughs> yeah, this is how is, I it, would do it.
3: It is totally Alien, <laughs> and then you know, movie doesn't. The movie's fault. It's the genre's. Fault. It just does where like I found this task of thing and ocean. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna split away from my, you know, from my own, and start drinking out of it before I even know what the hell is inside. And you know, it is stuff like that that gets me about horror. Now I understand you don't have a horror genre if you have stuff like that.
2: So I understand the dilemma. You can have, you can have a horror movie where people don't do the stupidest possible thing that they could do at that moment.
3: It doesn't seem, like but it, it
2: helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. To me, that's what always those moments always pull me out, too, as a giant horror fan. I prefer to see a horror movie like The Thing, where I feel like every character does the smartest thing that they would do throughout the whole movie and it still all goes to shit.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I remember um, uh, what you did last summer, and it's not a great by like, any stretch of the imagination, but I remember like, the Sarah
0: McGill
3: Geller scene. I remember watching that. It, it was like, you know what? It's a real shame when she gets killed because she did everything she possibly could to survive it was not you know once she realized that she, you know that the thing was in and she was being chased by some dude in a, the hook um she you know it, she did take a lot of stupid mistakes and that that actually raised the stakes for me in watching it i'm like All right, like i know she's gonna get because she's not the star but it's gonna suck when she gets killed and it did some, some stuff, I mean, it's not, a, it wasn't the uh, uh, Lisa Bacher or whatever it is. It wasn't her fault. She saw what's drinking. She asked for a drink. She probably, logical person thought, well, this guy's probably not drinking some mysterious shit he found at the bottom of the ocean. So I'll just ask him for <laughs> a drink. You know, so that's not her fault. But
2: You know, all stuff like, like and I was telling this to Steve. You know, Steve before, at the end of the day. Whatever Daniel Stern offers you, just yeah, don't drink, drink it. it. Just that's a that's yeah. a rule of thumb. <laughs> right.
3: That's a rule of thumb. I was telling Steve this earlier. Like uh, Krenna is like suddenly he does the exact correct thing. The medical officer is like, oh, there be some kind of a station here. I'm going to check everybody. You know, signs. And I'm not going to tell any that this guy's dead. That six pack is dead. I'm not. You know, in, inside a, a, a you know a panic or anything like that. I'm just going to okay, check everybody and lie to them. Uh, about what you know what i'm concerned about and then right up until the the last minute the last crewman the one who is actually infected i'm stumbling to the door and then he used to go make a corporate phone call and that's fucking insane <laughs> like wait a minute like the one who you you can contain this right here And she doesn't look good. She physically doesn't look good when she stumbles into
2: the the
3: sick day. Right. And he's like, nah, just wait here. I'll be right back. I got to make a phone
2: call. Okay. But in in a post COVID world, does that actually sound as unrealistic anymore? (laughs) It's not fair. That's not fair. Mask
3: why? Me? No. Me worry. Um, Hmm. Yeah. All right. So. Fair enough, see, if You're going to throw that in, but see, this post this is way post COVID.
2: I, I had a, but right it takes to... place in 2027. That's, true. So That's They have Oh, yeah. there you go. The future. So up. they all they all had to deal with COVID seven years earlier. Yeah. So when they were all in like grad school or so whatever, they <laughs> <He> known better.
3: They <laughs> just to make sure it doesn't. It's a, it's a it's a good it's a good flick. Like Steve said, the money is on the set and on the scene. Um. Sets don't suffer from like a Babylon Five syndrome. Uh, The the you know is really good, and the sets are just like wow, doing in a in a in a house. You know, I can I can definitely are those big
0: Mac containers taped to the wall and spray painted silver? And the the the
3: (laughs) story is immersive enough that you forget about it. You Do have marvel. Of other ancillary, you out of that sometimes. Sometimes you can't hide. Um, you just can't hide your. Unfortunately, so I mean, the the movie looks really good. Had to do because there were there aren't any scenes. Even kill the monster. There's this weird aspect. Okay, we're gonna leave the. We're gonna leave the ship and swim to the surf. They don't even. Right, they have this one little where it's a uh, and it... You all know you can't, you can't sign your mind. Don't need them. and the thing and flushed.
2: We're losing you, pal. All right. Uh, Yeah. You might try turning off your video. Sometimes if you turn off your video on Zoom, the audio will stream better. And he's oh, We lost him
0: entirely.
1: Latham, what did you think of Leviathan? (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, it's better than Lords of the Deep. (laughs) High praise. Better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll try and find some good things to say about it I agree with Steve the preview is Incredible and when it Came out we were like that back Then we were like that's the greatest preview we've Ever seen yeah it made you so Excited if you watch It now it holds up as a preview too. a lot of 80s previews don't hold Up but that one was like masterfully Put together Um, The poster For the movie is great everything That surrounds this movie (laughs) <laughs> it's like Great Like if you read the plot Or the You know I haven't read the screenplay But just You know I know the plot And reading the su- plot summary It sounds like Wow this is Really exciting And amazing What it, You know it, Yeah it's got some elements Of other stories But it's You know That have come out before But this sounds like Really well plotted And well done And The You know The score is great um, There's no bad Like acting in it All the actors are fine um they're just is it's just missing that that special thing and I can't put my finger on what it is it's it's little things like just some editing choices some choices of when to cut from one scene to another it seems like too quick at times then at other times it doesn't like the the pace is like off at times during the film um uh, you know, it's it's funny how the movie ends, too. We haven't talked about that, where he basically punches a woman in the face, you know? Yeah. I did make a there's, comment when we watched it tonight about there's no There's no time for you to react to that and get angry about it, because you're at the credits, dude. So, you know, you can, you know, you may not like that a man punched a woman, but you got to go. You got to leave the theater now, man. It's done. <laughs> That's it. You got to go process that later. Um, It's, you know, I I just, I never liked it a lot. It's definitely not a bad film. I'll give it that. It's not a a throwaway film or a, you know, a a horror movie that people would consider low grade or low budget or whatever. I mean, they're trying here at times and, and it, it just, I I don't know. Some of the, some of the characters are kind of like, not throwaways but they're just so uh blasé to the plot it's it it, you don't even care when they die and then it's just a question of how creative do they creatively do they die um yeah it's just uh i don't know i just I, i even watching it again i felt the exact same way i just didn't it didn't get me on a fun level. There's fun parts of it. But when it was over, I was I was I remembered why I didn't like it that much. I actually do like Deep Star Six. I think Deep Star Six is a slightly better film. Oh, OK. Hmm. And uh, has some better like scary like deaths in it. Um, and of course, yeah, the abyss is. You know, I love that film. So I, but that's a whole separate level. Um, right. Of uh, of I filming. don't
0: remember Deep Star Six that well. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that because i the only thing I remember is the fact that Greg Evigan is in
1: it. I honestly don't remember much else about it. I just remember when the deep dive suit they bring it up out of the water and that person's been like eaten in half and there's <laughs> like half a body in the suit. And I that was like really bothersome to me. That'd be a horrible way to go. So, uh, that's um, yeah, there were a lot of fun kills in that movie, but um, I think that was. Was this PG
2: uh, thirteen? I remember it being R rated. I but think it, it was
1: R as well. Oh, I'm looking right now. Huh? I can't can't find out based on what yeah, I'm
0: considering. Looking. There's no um. There's no nudity in it.
1: I don't think. I think it's. I think it's actually. I think it's PG thirteen cuz Deep Star uh, nope. 6 rated R. It was rated R. Yep. Wow. Deep Star 6 was a horror, it was like a definite R. But this yeah, I guess there's yeah, you're right. It,
2: it, I guess there's some blood and guts in this that's kind of When you're making a horror movie, it's not that there aren't good PG-13 horror movies, but I think that you're you're fighting for an R mo- uh, an R rating as as a filmmaker, even though you can have a larger audience with PG-13. There you know, there are times like in the early aughts where PG-13 horror was kind of a a thing that people were trying to do, do. but it always comes back around to like, if I see that a horror movie is PG-13, I know it's not going to like really go where I want a horror movie to go. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, if you're
1: a PG-13 horror film is it's such a fine line. I mean, you're in a genre called horror there there is supposed to be some sort of death at some point something has to die or has to be made into some horrible thing or whatever so it's yeah you know i can't think of a great pg-13 horror movie off the top of my head i think i think the ring might have been pg-13
2: yeah that's a good one i think you're right the first um the japanese ring Ringu, Ringu. I don't know what Ringu was rated when it came here, but uh, Gore Verbinski's The Ring, I believe, was PG thirteen.
1: What was? Um, uh, what was the uh, the one that just had the third part come out, Steve? That you just watched? The Conjuring. Uh, Conjuring. The first Conjuring, PG thirteen. I think that's a pretty good movie. Might be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Ring. Far... The
0: Ring was PG thirteen. Verbinski's.
1: It's hard to
2: toe that line. Um, and you look at movies like Poltergeist, which predates the PG-13 rating, right. I believe. Yeah, But that was PG-rated, and you watch that, and I feel like if that <laughs> yes. exact movie came out today, it would definitely be R-rated. Yes. Oh, and, yeah, when that thing comes out of the... The, the, the steak. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. The uh, vortex and screams at them, or what? I mean,
2: <laughs> the guy rips <laughs> off his own face.
1: Yeah. yeah, there's there's stuff of nightmares in that movie. In that movie, they got away with a lot in Poltergeist. The uh, the one thing I didn't notice uh, in a, in any previous
0: watching of this movie, and I, I I I read about it, so I was looking for it specifically. Uh, ah, sounds back. Um, so in that opening sequence there is a, uh, during that, that opening sequence where um, DeJesus is running out of oxygen because his, re- his rebreather is not working or whatever is happening. And they kept showing the computer screens with all this data imaging stuff. And then they're, they're throwing a bunch at you and they're cutting back and forth. And they cut back to a screen and there's a, there's a sh- couple of shots of the screen where the stuff on the screen flashes through a bunch of different iterations of material. And in one of the screens that flashes up is the Luxo Jr. and the ball from Pixar, because all the, those effects were done by ILM. And I was oh, like, awesome. and I'm like, get the fuck out of here! I I never would have noticed this in a million years if I wasn't if I hadn't read about it and was actually looking for it. But uh, uh, Hassan, yes, <laughs> you're back. I am. Would you? Would you like? I,
3: would you like? I to basically, it? I basically badmouth it as, as much as I can. We don't really, we don't, we don't really need to go too much. I mean, look, it took, I, I enjoy a really good movie. Um, like I said, the the money is on 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 the screen. It just it it it's very trophy. It makes a lot of yeah. You know the, it, it in order for itself forward the, the main character we were supposed to we're supposed to uh, follow. And care about make it, have to make required to make a lot of decisions to get a lot of people killed. And what I was about to say before well, we got to cut off, what doesn't even get mentioned is they flushed two of the crew members out the, the out the ship,
0: so, right? Literally two monsters, right? You know, because well, they were kind of melding into one at the time. Yeah, yeah but there's no but the, the
3: the the tentacle that's cut and left in the. In inside the uh, yeah the, the leg the, of the yeah, yeah. yeah. turned into what what ends up killing most of the other crew members true so you you still have a a fully visible creature outside somewhere that were really ah. mentioned
2: I, but, I never thought about that <laughs> <laughs> that's but, so true
3: <laughs> <laughs> but you now it is it, but I mean it, the, the reason to believe in flushing it out into the into the earth would kill it 'Cause obviously it follows them whoever it was chasing it follows them all the way to the surface. So yeah. I, it's, it's fine. It's it, it's fun, it's a it's a you know a ride in a wave machine of when the first time is it, I enjoy it and it But, uh, <laughs> to see uh
0: punched out at the end with yeah. Bad. <laughs> but it, hey, hey, try turning off your video. Wait, can you hear me at least? Well, it, you're breaking up a lot, but if try to try turning off video and see if it if it helps with your audio stream.
3: Yeah, I might have to I might have
0: How's that? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. That's it. So like there we go. That's better. Okay. Um, it the entire time? Well, I well no, you're still kind of breaking. I don't know that's going to make much of a difference, unfortunately. But uh, it's just a, a bad, a bad internet night to say the least. Okay, stay on with my review. So even if I drop out, right on. Uh, okay, that's uh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, the one last thing I will say about uh, Leviathan is the the co writer with David Peoples on the screenplay for that movie, Jeb Stewart who co-wrote Die Hard. What, the confederate?
2: Yep. Nice. Y- yes, yes, Colonel Jeb Stewart, yes.
0: <laughs> when did he have time to write a
3: movie? That's just The confederate, the confederate hero.
0: The great <laughs> lost screenplay of Colonel Jeb Stewart. Yeah. Um, uh, ben, thank you very much. Thank uh, you for inviting me. Very uh, great pleasure to have you back. Um, and we will, thank you for what, be, we, uh, what we
3: refer to at, at Sentimentals as a vacation week. Uh, that's yes. when we get so two we movies, get
0: to two, two good movies that, uh, that we've all seen, that, we probably, <laughs> that we've probably all seen. <laughs> uh, very much appreciated. Some weeks, it. some weeks, can, some weeks can be more challenging than others, especially for Hassan when it comes to horror films. Yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> always always good to uh was very very diplomatically said steve
3: some weeks are more challenging than <laughs> <enough. laughs>
0: we'll bring ben on for uh for mental which is the shows we uh we produce that uh come on during october yeah. we'll have you pick a couple of we'll I'm, have you pick a couple of horror films
3: i'm planning to be all, sick okay. all
0: that month we do we do all <laughs> horror films on in october so uh
1: we have done it once we don't always do we we done well, it once no, we always do it. We've only been around for one year. We, and we did it, so we always do it. Uh, I, guess we're, I, guess, yep, I guess we're doing it. Just don't pick A24 horror films, and I'll be fine. Oh, uh, yeah, big cry, baby. Ben, <laughs> ben, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having it. me. And uh,
0: have, a, have a good night, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. All right, All right. take care. Bye. Hey, Ben. So, thanks to Fesley and Music. Please check out our website at sentimentalpod.com for all of our previous episodes. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can always listen to new episodes at sentimentalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at Pod. For Asan Godwin, Latham Conger Third, Ben Rock, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and underwater mutant hunting geologist, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yeah,